Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Heat pumps are increasingly on the news at the moment as the Ukraine crisis spurs people to look at how they can reduce their reliance on gas. But as many listeners will know, keeping comfortable in our houses isn't just about the heat source. It's also very much about the controls. Now, every heating appliance that you might get installed or buy, including heat pumps, does come with controls. But there are more and more smart thermostats available, independent of a particular heating appliance manufacturer, that will help households keep more comfortable and keep comfortable in the smartest, most efficient and lowest cost way. Today, we're going to explore this interface between heat pumps and smart thermostats, both at a high level, as well as getting a little bit techy, perhaps, and looking at some of the practical challenges. I'm joined by four guests today to uh, give us lots of different angles for debate and discussion. Let's say hello and get the discussion going. First is Helen Boothman, MD of Evergreen Energy. Hello, Helen. Helen, uh, can you give us a sentence or two about Evergreen Energy for our listeners that might not have heard of your organisation? Yeah, sure. So at Evergreen Energy, we want to make it easy for people to switch away from fossil fuels. So um, for things like heat pumps, that means addressing affordability and upfront and uh, running costs, but also um, means that we're making sure we're putting in the right technology now for people to be able to participate in the energy system of the future when we will have you know, more renewables on the grid, but also increased demand from the fact that we've electrified things like heating and transport. Okay. And I guess linked to that last point, my next question, you, you purchased a, smart, a startup smart thermostat company a while back, Homely. Um, now, your last point about future-proofing and the future electricity system, I guess, was the rationale behind that. But can you, can you explain what you did and why you did that and where you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So Homely is really, really important for us as a business, both now and in the future. Um, So currently, Homely's USP is that it will operate your heat pump in the cheapest way possible to meet the temperature you want in your home. And we can do that whether or not you've got a single rate tariff or a multi-rate time of use tariff. And I'll let Carolus explain exactly how Homely does it, as he's definitely the brains uh, of the operation. But for us as a business, Homely helps our customers now reduce their running costs which helps make the case for them switching to renewables. But then in the future, we see Homely doing uh, more than just heat. Homely is going to be able to control and optimise your heat pump alongside your your PV, your battery, your EV charger, as well as making it possible for you as a home energy consumer or producer to participate in things like network and grid balancing services and get paid for uh, being flexible in the way you use energy. Okay, so it's all about having the best possible proposition for your customers uh, to reduce their costs and maximize uh, their contribution to the future energy system. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we can we can do that now in the way they operate their heat pump, but we're also setting them up for success in the future when these new products and services come into the market. Okay, great. Uh, we'll talk to Carolus, who is the founder of Homely in a sec, but let's say hello first to uh, Arthur Johannik, a colleague, my colleague at Delta EE and expert on the topic of smart heating controls and home energy management. Uh, 
Hello, Arthur. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. Um, Arthur, from what Helen described, how does this compare with what you see going on in the market more widely, both from, I guess, from the smart thermostat angle and also that wider home energy management vision that Helen painted? Actually, I think uh, what Helen said is pretty much bang on in terms of the vision that everyone should have in terms of the future of the energy industry. The electrification is clearly underway across heat, transports, uh, self-generation and self-consumption will be critically important. So actually, the controlling of all these loads and particularly heating loads like heat pumps will be a major factor of the transition. So enabling customers to have the right comfort with the right temperature levels, but also participate in optimizing the energy systems in the home will be one of the most critical business models of the uh, of the next 10, 20 years. So that vision to me resonates quite a lot. Okay. Helen, is there, uh, do, you see it, do you see others trying to do what you're doing from different angles or are you not too bothered about what others are doing? It just makes perfect sense to, to you and what you're doing with heat pumps today. Um, I think... Homely is unique in, 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 in what it does. Um, and we do see other people coming into kind of the, the, uh, optimization market, but they're at the moment very much focused on, uh, EV or, or PV and battery. Um, for us, Homely just makes complete sense in the way that, uh, heat pumps are controlled. Um, we can optimize them now. Um, and we've got this future bit as well. Uh, but mm. it, it makes sense from a, from, from an um, efficiency perspective to put Homely on your heat pump at this point. Great. Um, so it makes sense today and future-proofing for, for tomorrow. Exactly, yeah. Um, let's say hello now to the uh, next couple of guests and then get into the discussion. So next we've got uh, Carolus um, Petrokavishis. I'm not sure I pronounced that surname right. Uh, Carolus, I'm sure you correct me. Uh, the founder of Homely and now head of Smart Home at Evergreen Energy. Um, hello, Carolus. Hi. How did I do on the pronunciation? Uh, it was better the last time you tried it. Right. <laughs> so pronounce it properly for our listeners so they know who they're, who they're hearing from. Petrus Kavichus. Okay. Thanks, Carolus. Um, Carolus, in terms of that proposition about it making sense that Helen described. Can you say a bit more about why it makes sense today for a someone with a heat pump to use a homely smart thermostat? What exactly does it do? How does it help them? Sure. Um, so I'll just uh, do a quick intro why uh, how it came about, because I think it makes a little bit more sense to start off with the problem that we were trying to okay. solve. Okay. Um, so uh, Homely, uh, I started Homely when I was doing my PhD, looking at the impact of heat pumps, the heat pumps are going to have in the future, in 2030, when we have a lot more of them and we're producing power from renewable sources. And uh, when we're starting to produce power from renewable sources that are intermittent, we'll see the electricity prices changing quite significantly throughout the day. Uh, and to be able to utilize this, we'll, be able, we'll need to be have controls available for heat pumps that can shift that consumption into the periods of high renewable power production. So um, Homely started off with uh, the idea of time of use tariffs. And uh, it, this was initially the Agile Octopus, where we started controlling some heat pumps and we were trying to actually shift the consumption of the heat pump into the periods of low cost electricity. Okay, um, so for those for listeners not in the UK, that's a, a dynamic tariff where the price changes every half hour here. Yes. And yeah. uh, there are other com uh, there are other countries where we are seeing this becoming 
reality or that has been reality for quite some time even yeah um so uh, some countries like estonia lithuania um they're starting to see these exchange ta tariffs um getting popular yep and uh, it's not just the uk where oh. these are available um time of use tariff uh, optimization was is not the only thing that we can offer our customers so as we started more and more seeing more and more people coming in to uh, messaging us about how to control their heat pumps. Um, and uh, as we started installing more of these on systems uh, with Evergreen Energy, uh, we needed to cater for people that are on fixed tariffs as well. And this was trying to make sure that they get the best out of their heat pump, uh, or we're uh, trying to lower those, uh, increasing the efficiency of the heat pump by operating in the most efficient way. So lowering the flow temperatures, for example, trying to maintain them as low as they can be. Uh, to push those efficiencies higher. Um, okay. that, that was the proposition for our customers. So trying to get the most out of your heat pump with a future proofing of the time of use tariffs. Um, there was also a big installer part, which was yep. uh, trying to give data to the installers so that they can make, a, when they come to site, for example, if they're seeing that your system is uh, malfunctioning, they can be prepared to fix your system the first time that they get there. Um, so that's where we have a homely installer app where the installers can actually access the information such as the heat pump is an error right now, even before the customer finds out that he doesn't have heating. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're using internally. Um, and there's also that stuff that uh, Helen has mentioned about the future optimization of the, uh, of the grid. So where you, uh, if we all were to have heat pumps installed today, um, and if we were all to turn them on um, at the same time, our grid would not be able to sustain that. Yeah. That's why we need to shift those loads around. And uh, one of the ways to incentivize this is through dynamic tariffs, such as um, the Agile Octopus, although yeah. it doesn't need to be okay. the exact same way. Um, and whereabouts are you on your journey, Carolus or, or Helen, whoever wants to answer? In, um, are you have you in are you selling these today? Have you installed tens, hundreds, thousands? Can you give us a, some sense of where we're on the journey from that idea and doing your PhD, Carolus, that you, that you mentioned, uh, to uh, to scaling this up? Um, we were trying to. We are at a scale up position at the moment, so uh, we were looking into quite a few things. We want to make sure that we have our uh, we have our thinking right about all the future technologies as well. So uh, you've mentioned PV, um, EV chargers, batteries. Um, we wanted to make sure that we capture some of that information and put in at least the, uh, the bare bones of those optimizations in place. So at the moment, actually at my place, uh, I have a heat pump that is talking to my battery, that is talking to the PV, PV panels, that is also talking to the EV charger and all being optimized by Homely. That is something that we're testing out and that's what we were spending a lot of time on but uh, at the moment we're very focused on getting our core heat proposition out there and then we're going to return back into optimizing the whole home okay um that's carolis now let's say hello to our final guest matt truella who's ceo of kenza heat pumps one of the uk's leading ground source heat pump companies hello matt hello john how are you Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, Matt, you if someone buys a ground source heat pump from, from Kenza, they'll get a heat pump and they'll get uh, 
control a controller as well. Uh, but you're also working with Homely. So can you explain a bit the difference between, I guess, the, the standard Kenza control and uh, what a customer could do with Homely or give us a bit of context about sure. uh, the discussions that you're having with Homely and the work you're doing together? <clears throat> Yeah, that's a relatively easy one. The, the the simple answer is there is no such thing as a standard Kenza control. Right. Um, they they aren't supplied with controls. <laughs> so so we took a decision many years ago, more than a decade ago, to supply heat pumps without heating and hot water controls, mm-hmm. so that they'd be able to take advantage of any any other off the shelf controls that are out there. So uh, instead, the heat pumps rely on on a run signal. So you tell it when you want heating. You can tell it two different areas of the house or two different temperature targets that you go for and you tell it when you want hot water and the rest can be uh, can be handled by third party so going back a few years that was handy because some people wanted almost on off controls yeah. simple thermostat um, some people wanted room by room internet connected underfloor controls with different times and temperatures and different things turning on and off so and now moving into the smart control world they're, they're automatically compatible with, with anyone's smart controls Okay, so you started off with a deliberate philosophy to be open then because you presumably saw a lot of uh, third-party companies coming along doing the sorts of thing that Carolus and Helen have described. Uh, Yeah, they're still um, very uh, ahead of the game. There's there's very few people um, trying to move into into this area and even some of them are are doing it with boilers in mind rather than heat pumps in mind. So, uh, so yeah, it's still, still pretty early on with the homely idea, actually. Yeah, so that was that was great a few years ago when we when we met up and started uh, running our uh, R and D programs in parallel. Arthur, how do you see that in terms of um, what Matt described that that open philosophy, um, and also what Matt mentioned of a lot of smart thermostat companies focusing on boilers today? Well, let's just say that the industry would be much better if everyone would be doing the same strategy, but <laughs> unfortunately, most of the heat pump manufacturers think that they are they should be in control of their heat pumps and don't want to give the control to anyone else uh, mostly because it's not like a boiler it's it's harder to control that there are more technicalities to a heat pump uh, compared to just turning it on and off for example but regardless of that uh, having a completely open system which uh, would allow smart thermostat companies to control them would be great because these companies are actually talking to pv systems batteries ev chargers and there is no heat pump manufacturer who is able to do all of these products and to offer it to customers. So the uh, the success of the future energy system will rely a lot on openness between manufacturers and companies like only in between to uh, to make all these appliances talk to each other. So it's really interesting and, and reassuring to see companies being open. But the reality is we are really far from that today and uh, there is a long way to go in Europe. And it's not like there are big standards and, and open protocols across Europe. So the, everything is quite close today. And, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the biggest barrier for that market to develop. That make it hard for you, Carolus, in terms of going to different heat pumps and trying to trying to talk to them? Very hard. Um, we're still struggling with, uh, with quite a few of them. But yes, that, that is because they want to be the ones controlling them. And uh, yeah. heat pumps are heat pumps are very different from boilers. Uh, it's not about just turning them on and off need to um you need to take into account other things like the efficiencies of different flow temperatures to... yeah it, it, even even with our heat pumps we, we we supply with a refrigeration controller that kind of looks after the efficiency of the heat pump if you like but there is the next level on where, where 
uh, Homely could could actually integrate into that, and that's something we're we're trying to work on with Coalesce, where you know um, <clears throat> you can control the flow temperature of the heat pump. That's probably the thing that has the biggest effect on its efficiency, and it's quite easy to measure the outdoor temperature and control the flow. But what would be far better is if you knew knew what the weather forecast was going to be. So doing it in real time is probably a little bit too late. Actually, doing it uh, 12 hours ahead would be far more more useful. And, uh, and that's some of the things we're, we're working on with, with Homely. So, Matt, what would you say to other heat pump manufacturers? Arthur, you described, you know, heat pump manufacturers wanting to control, being a bit scared to open up maybe because they don't want other people playing about with the operation of their, their system. Matt, do you have any fear there or what's your, you know, in being open, Not- are you taking risks? And not hugely. Um, some of the other ways of doing it, uh, they they might give you the nicest numbers on the screen of the heat pump, but they're not necessarily the most efficient ways of, of controlling them. So um, they're, they're, they're designed necessarily to put, make the product look good rather than the energy system look good. So I think uh, we've, we've just got a little bit of a longer focus. For us, it's about the, the electrification of heat as a, as a concept. It's clear that electrifying heat and transport is going to put strain on the grid. And if you do that in a, in a inverted commas, dumb way and try mm. to treat the uh, vehicles and heat pumps um, as if they're just either appliances or boilers, the amount of strain on the grid is going to be many, many times. And you know it, it, it runs into billions, the, the extra cost for, for yeah. reinforcement that you can avoid by, by doing it in a smart way. Um, we, we get... Uh, a lot of times people say, well, I can't can't electrify all of this stuff. I'm going to come home from work, plug my car in, and I want it to be nice and warm. So you know, my car's going to be plugged in, my heat pump's going to be running, I'm going to turn all the lights on, I'm going to, I'm going to have a shower and, and make a cup of tea and run the kettle, and the whole thing is just going to fall over. Of course, it's not going to be like that at all. You know, you plug your car in, it's not going to start charging straight yeah. away. Yeah. And probably your heat pump came on at before, you know, three hours before you got home and and warm to make sure you're nice and warm when you got home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably just switching off by the time you get home, rather than just turning on. So, but no, so yeah, nothing's going to nothing's going to boil the kettle and make you a cup of tea for when you come home, though, Matt. No, but our, our grid can already cope with that as long as long as it's not um, as long yeah. as it's not getting the other things just um, naively yeah. plugged in and, and, and turned on at the same time. So, so, so Carolus, yeah, a simple you, example. Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, Matt. Carolus, are you knocking on a lot of heat pump manufactured doors at the moment? Do you have to go literally one by one and try and get access through an API uh, to different heat pumps? Or is there a certain amount you can do without having bilateral discussions and arrangements with each manufacturer? Um, That is very different between the manufacturers. So uh, as Matt mentioned, uh, Ken's have been very open from the very beginning, uh, from the very outset of Homely. And uh, I think we're on the same page and where the where the market is going, and we we saw eye to eye. What 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 is what is the future? Um, we it, we started off with only we tried to capture as much of the market and understand actually the problem at the moment. Uh, mm. Even though heat pump manufacturers might not want the third party controls controlling those units, uh, in a lot of cases there is still a third party thermostat just giving it a call for heat and uh, turning it off. So uh, it is happening. It's just. Well, it's happening through the, the thermostat on and off signal. Yeah. So uh, it's a binary signal to turn on and turn off. Um, where we're trying to go to is to get into a little bit more into the brains of it and try to actually control the flow temperatures. Um, so as the, the heat pump can be kind of like a, a an always adapting weather compensation curve that is constantly changing to adapt to the outside conditions. 
okay. that equation changes depending on the price of electricity. So there, there'll be times it will be best to run the heat pump inefficiently because electricity is cheap. And there'll be times yeah. when you, you, you know, electricity is expensive and you run it long and slow and, and low. Uh, so, yeah, that, that changes every day. With, it's different for every property and it's different for every lifestyle. So it's, it's got to be done dynamically yeah. and it's got to be done in the cloud. I'm also hearing that the the best way to potentially do flexibility on on heat pumps maybe to look at the domestic hot water part because it's less uh, it's less difficult to to manage and potentially filling a tank, storing it and using it is maybe more flexible. Is it uh, Carolis, Is it something that you potentially look at in more details than just controlling the heat in the in the house? Um, we are controlling both, and uh, we have ways to control it, both of these intelligently. Um, heating is one uh, was interesting because you can still shift quite a lot of heat. So as Matt was saying, that you get home at, for example, six o'clock in the evening after work, and uh, your house has been heating throughout the day, and it probably has turned off quite a while ago. Um, there is quite a lot of thermal mass in the house that it can be used to store uh, the heat. And uh, when the agile prices were favorable, you would heat the house, for example, twelve till four o'clock in the afternoon, or depending on the weather conditions. Of course, it's all always changing, but you heat it then you'd overheat the house slightly uh, to a higher temperature and even though you were using more energy that energy was actually a lot cheaper because of the agile the way that the agile tariffs work and because of potentially uh, less carbon intensive as well because you were using different energy sources renewable sources um i don't sorry i don't think that i've answered the question in terms of uh, the heat pump control so some control uh, some heat pump manufacturers do have uh, ability to Get into the brains of it so at the moment we're few heat pumps that we few other heat pumps that are, uh, we're looking into is uh, uh, idea and samsung um there are sometimes uh, adapters that you need to buy to get into the brains of those controllers um but there are ways to control them and, okay so uh, that list is mm. at the moment uh, mm. there are only a few that are open Okay. And it's definitely true that it's easier to load shift hot water, though. Doing hot water through the night is something that people often want to do anyway with their heat mm. pumps. So, so moving that to, to low cost, low carbon times, um, the <clears throat> people often ask, is it easy to turn heat pumps on and off remotely and do load shifting? And the answer is just, yeah, it's really easy. You can. Mm. I think we recommend at Kenzo no more than six starts per hour. So essentially, you know, every 10 minutes, you, you know, you could ask the heat pump to, to do something different, either being turned on or turned off. Um, what's difficult is working out the effects of turning a heat pump on and off. So, you know, what what's it going to be like for the people living in the property? Um, so so to, to work that out, you need to know how warm they need to be. You need to know what the weather's like outside and how long the, the property is going to stay warm or how, how slowly it will cool down. So it's all of those factors really that are far more important than whether the heat pump can actually turn on and off. That's in some ways, it's not, it's not quite trivial because you still need an internet connection, but it's, mm. it's not far off it. So there's lots of analysis, lots of different factors then that you've just said there, Matt, that you need to pull together. Carolis, your intelligence in the cloud uh, blends all that together and then works out the best operation for the heat pump. I'm quite interested in what you said about it might sometimes, if energy is cheap, uh, be worth the heat pump operating at a slightly lower efficiency. And I think I can imagine some people listening to this podcast must be thinking, what? Why would you do that? But um, 
I think we've got to get more used, more used to energy being uh, worth different amounts at, at different times, whether that's through dynamic tariffs, whether it's through capacity charges. Um, so, yeah, the, the purest approach of maximize the uh, seasonal performance factor, maximize the efficiency at all times, that will change more and more in the future, I think. Yeah, and I think at, at, at the end of the day, the electricity is cheap for a reason, right? It's yeah. being overproduced for the demand. So, you know, chances are it's it's highly renewable because maybe it's there's a lot of uh, wind generation going on or something like that. And at the end of the day, National Grid have to balance the grid and balance the system. So if you can use energy where it's not when it's not in high demand, that actually helps from a whole system balancing perspective. Well, and there are times, increasing a number of times in the UK and other countries when wind farms are curtailed because um, there's too much wind on the system or there's yeah, constraint exactly. on the network. Um, yeah, and going back a couple of years, the, the Octopus Agile tariff actually went negative during those times. Yeah. So in other yeah. words, it was better to pay people to consume electricity than turn the wind turbines off. And, and in, the, in those circumstances, yeah, your, your efficiency of your heat pump is... is close to meaningless yeah you just you just want to get it get as much heat into the property the hot water tank and and store as much as you can as quickly as you can the analogy is a bit of an old energy analogy but the analogy that sticks in my mind for that is driving past a petrol station and seeing the prices being negative uh and i think <laughs> it's people would think how can that not, happen but not this yeah. week i don't think not not at the moment not with the current energy crisis uh um Arthur, you mentioned quite a lot of companies are looking at this uh, home energy management from different angles. And Helen, you talked about sort of strategically with Evergreen Energy that you want to become a smart uh, home energy management, a smart energy company, not not just around heat pumps, but blend all this, uh, the different technologies together. I'm interested in what, how quickly that will emerge and after the different types of organizations or the different angles people are coming at from that and Helen what you think is going to be critical to enable you to succeed with that maybe Arthur first and, and then Helen yeah across Europe we have we've identified more than 80 companies who are somehow involved in optimizing electricity flows within the home um, a lot of the times these come from a solar PV self-consumption optimization so you maximize the use of uh, of your own generated electricity. And I think actually the current crisis will mean that this will uh, increase quite a lot, uh, given people will want to be more independent from the grid. Uh, and we see a lot of companies looking at the uh, the opportunities through EV charging. So while heat pumps will grow very rapidly, um, EV charging is something that is currently exploding across Europe. And that's where people are really looking at right now. So I think right now we are looking at um, some use cases, specific use cases, which companies are, are targeting. But once the, uh, the the home energy management world will evolve towards more appliances in the home, more use cases, flexibility, PV consumption, dynamic tariffs, etc., we will see a lot more integration between all of these, uh, these systems. And this is where I think it will be important to be ready to, uh, to enable the, the interactions between appliances. So my prediction is that we will see a lot of um, unique points uh, uh, solutions in the next two or three years, but very quickly and accelerated by the crisis, we will see a lot of companies uh, optimizing everything that they can in the home, uh, whether it is PV, uh, heat pumps, batteries, uh, EV charge ones. So that's it's going to be quite a quite an interesting battle there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I think from from our perspective, yeah, it's definitely where we're going to get to. Um, we've chosen heat as an entry point because we actually think it's quite it's very complicated, and if you can get that right, the other things you can kind of add and fall into place. Um, but really, for us, the the two biggest challenge I would say would be um, interoperability and integration, um, as we've we've kind of talked about. Because every time you add on a new technology, you're kind of reducing your addressable market. If you can, you know, you can control ten heat pumps and then another three V chargers and ten battery systems. You've got to have your customers having a combination of those um, for them to get the the, the full effect. Um, and then I would say the other um, probably. Um, challenge would be around um, the kind of market dynamics and the regulation and how industry participants um, uh, interact with each other. Um, certainly in the UK, the energy supply market is uh, uh, interesting right now. So, you know, we haven't got those those kind of tariffs um, when we have an interaction between the suppliers and the network operators and all those different models are all kind of different around Europe and some will kind of lend themselves to this uh, better than others. So that related to how much of the value is capturable, whether that's by the customer through a price signal flown to them or by an aggregator or by by someone that can share that value with the customer. Um, Yeah, I think there's we need to capture as much value as possible so that we can share enough with the customer for it to be worth their while and that there's enough left over for other people. Um, But I think there's kind of certain... um, certain um, market um, setups which don't necessarily lend themselves uh, very well to that being the case so where you've got a, a supplier responsible for um, you know the 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 energy consumed but actually it's going through the network operators wires and how all that pricing works um, it's not necessarily conducive to um, creating tariffs and situations that actually benefit the customer or kind of the, the um, scenario where you've got customers exporting, for example. Yeah, lots of different bits of the value chain to bring together. No, I think yeah. our, our, our view is, is that you've got to bring those customers along, otherwise the whole thing doesn't work. So, I mean, I drive an EV as well as having a heat pump and, you know, there's that that slight understanding needed, you know, that you won't always be 100% fully charged. I, I probably would need to charge 10 hours a week on average. And that's a, that's a lot of flexibility you can bring. But not if yeah. you want to just drive away and you know, straight away after coming home from a long drive and plugging in. So there's got to be a little bit of user acceptance. The same with the heating. You might understand that your heating will be turning on and off at times that you wouldn't normally think. And it's the end users, really, that have got to uh, adapt to that and understand that. And, and therefore, I think they should be given the the lion's share of the uh, of the benefits or certainly need need an energy pricing that works for them. What, what I quite like about the approach that um, you're taking with Homely is it's a standalone proposition for heat pumps. And if it works with if it's a works with heat pumps and is an attractive proposition for customers, then uh, that in itself will get the intelligence into the heat pump operation and then you can build out more from there. I think it's hard for people who are looking to sell a home energy management system as a standalone system. Um, so, yeah, if it, if it works for heat pumps and, and your customers, then that's a really nice entry point. Yeah, absolutely. Currently, actually, our biggest challenge, I guess, is more the, the adoption of heat pumps and the kind of yeah. changing way people use their heating. 
um, to kind of the, the emphasis at the moment, certainly from other smart thermostat yeah. manufacturers is, you know, only turn it on when you need it, um, individual radiator and zone control. Whereas if you have a heat pump running that way, it massively impacts the efficiency and increases the cost to run. And that is counterintuitive and difficult to convince people of. Um, but that's that's kind of what we're working on, getting that message out there with Homely. Yeah. Okay, well, time is getting the better of us. So let's bring out the Talking New Energy crystal ball and set the dial this week to 2030. So I'd like to ask each of you to share your view from your own perspective on how heat pump operation will be optimized, not only for comfort, but for the wider electricity system in 2030. Um, You can have whichever perspective or, or context you like, think about home energy management as well. Uh, so if I could ask each of you to share your thoughts on optimizing heat pumps and more for the wider electricity system and what that will look like in 2030, eight years time. Um, if I could ask you to keep it brief for time, let's go with um, Carolus, Matt, Arthur, and then Helen. Carolus, do you want to start? Kick sure. us off. Yep. Um, yep. So 2030, that was actually the... Uh, when I was doing my PhD thesis, that was the year that I had to do it for. And uh, I was using the future energy scenarios of the national grid for 2030. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, in that day, I would assume that we'll have a tariff that is not necessarily um, kind of exposing you to every single variation of the price um, from the electricity supplier, but uh, electricity supplier is uh, making that um, less complicated. So uh, as an example, there is a there is an electricity price for the rest of your appliances in the house. Uh, I don't know, let's say 20p per kilowatt hour, and then your heat pump gets a 15p per kilowatt hour. And there's someone in the background trying to control um, all uh, to make that happen, to, to reduce that cost of running the heat pump um, and uh, taking advantage of the demand side response, um, taking signals from the national grid, from the network operators. Uh, reacting to the changes in the renewable power generation and wholesale prices um, the balancing system as well. Um, there will be a fraction of those customers. There will also be a fraction of those customers where um, they'll be sustaining themselves uh, just by trying to utilize as most power as they can from self-generation. So your, um, your battery, your heat pump, your PV and your EV are all going to be talking together and your home energy management system is going to be predicting what the rest of the house consumption is going to be so that uh, um, it's optimized. Yeah. Okay. So I like that first example in particular because it's simple for the customers, simple on the outside, but probably complex on the inside. But that's where the homely brains and intelligence will, will come in. Um, thanks, Carolus. Um, Matt, how about you? Yeah, I, I see it um, well on the way to full electrification of, of, of heat and, and transport. And I think that it will have to be very, very simple and have to be automated. I think that automation is going to have to have a level of learning. I, I wouldn't go so far as full artificial intelligence, but certainly machine learning. So, you know, a thermostat in a building will take a while to, to figure out how, how long it takes the building to heat up, cool down, different weathers, different usage patterns. And it will take a little while to learn all of that when you plug your car in, when how you do all your other things. And it will gradually build up this picture 
then they will have a, a similar picture for the whole of the UK and the electricity supply and how that filters down to the regions. That will filter into the um, price of electricity at different times by by some as yet unknown mechanism. And then there's yeah. 20 or 30 different ways you could do that, but um, at some point it has to end up as a price signal to, to the people living in the property. And then your your automated system that's learned everything about the property, the vehicle, and the people that live in it will take the price signal and every day and work out the the, the best rate to, to run everything. So I, I don't see the world where people go oh it's going to be windy tonight and cheap so I'm, therefore i'm going to put my washing machine on a timer and i'm going to run my heat pump later i i don't see it as being um, individual user interactions i see it as all automated so the need of lots of data scientists and computer engineers to work in the energy lots, sector then lots right? of data scientists lots <laughs> of yep. computer engineers yeah yep. lots of cloud cloud computing thanks matt arthur how about you just uh, talking about numbers actually we are predicting that there will be 25 million heat pumps installed in in europe in terms of number of homes 35 million uh, ev charge points at home 20 million pv system uh two and a half million batteries and uh, 10 million home energy management systems by 2030 so if you, if you imagine the world of I mean, europe in in 2030 that will be a completely different way the energy system is being operated so how to optimize all of this together, how to exchange electricity between homes, how to provide flexibility to the grid. Um, you will need to have a high level of connectivity, which works really well for heat pumps, for recharge points, etc. So the world of the future will be very different, very interconnected, and uh, and hopefully this can accelerate this whole decarbonization of the industry. So that's, uh, that's the way I would think about it, like the, this massive electrification across Europe. Thanks, Arthur. Those numbers bring it to life. And I guess that those numbers are a snapshot of a curve that's pointing ever more upwards as the years Thanks go by. Um, last but not least, Helen, how about your, your 2030 vision or thoughts? Um, yeah, my thoughts are at a housing estate level. Um, so uh, in terms of having, you know, everyone with, a, with an EV, everyone with a heat pump and more solar and stuff, we're going to need more smart solutions for network management um, because you know, we've got we've got the grid and flexibility and energy prices but we've also got the you know the wires that take that um, electricity to your individual homes and making sure that um, we're kind of balancing those estates so that the, the devices on those estates are working in such a way that's kind of harmonious and, and together mm -hmm. so that we're not putting stress on on those networks. Um, we, we recently wrapped up a, a project called Project Dino, which looked at this at quite a high level, and we can do some really clever things with monitoring and modeling and control, um, but the commercial models for, for dealing with that uh, just don't exist yet. Um, so, yeah, progress on commercial models around smart networks, definitely. Okay, so while it's easy to think about balancing the system at a national level, we need to balance it at a very local level as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, well, that's um, we better leave it there. That's been a fascinating discussion and some really interesting perspectives from different parts of the industry. So, um, thanks everyone for your time and your thoughts. Thanks, Carolus. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks, Matt from Kenza. Thanks, good to take part. Uh, thanks, Helen, also from Evergreen. Thanks very much. And thank you, Arthur. Thank Delta. you, John. Uh, 
thanks as always to everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode and it shed some light on the interplay between smart thermostats and heat pumps and the need for more and more of that interplay in the future. Uh, and look forward to welcoming you back to the episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.